0: Hallelujah. Glory to God. I welcome us to World Evangelization Course of this year's School of Ministry. Um, And I want to appreciate my spiritual parents, the president and vice president of Sheg Mwambadje Teaching Ministry and the chancellor and vice chancellor of School of Ministry. Thank you so much, Daddy and Mommy, for the privilege of ministering um, in this year's School of Ministry I want us to celebrate Pastor Shegun and Fonke Obaje. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for another time to receive your word, to hear your word, and to receive your word. Thank you, Father, for the supply of the Spirit you have granted us for this year's school of ministry, for every class. We'll say be exalted in Jesus' name. Father, as we go into your word, we ask that you enlighten our eyes of understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that your word will have free course in our midst and be glorified. And the spirit of your word will quicken every man under the sound of my voice in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So it's a world evangelization course. And um, this course is divided into two. The first part of the course is the great commission hallelujah and what is the great commission the great commission is the charge that the lord our master jesus christ gave to we all believers after his resurrection before his ascension to we all believers to go into the whole world to win souls for him by preaching the gospel of our lord jesus christ the gospel of the grace of god and matthew chapter 28 Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20, Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Hallelujah. We also see in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 17. Verse 16. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Verse 17. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. Verse 20. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord walking with them. And confirming the word with signs following, Amen, Hallelujah. This is the Great Commission. So the Lord Jesus has given us a divine assignment. He has charged us. He has given us a divine appointment, a divine mandate. Every believer to go into all the world, and by all the world he means all races of people, all nations, all fields. You know, into all professions all walks of life into all the world to win the souls that are there for him. And how do we do this? By preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has entrusted the gospel to our care. He has committed the gospel to our care so that by it, we can win souls in all the world. Hallelujah. So it means that for every believer, every believer has this divine mandate over his life to preach the gospel. As it goes about in all affairs, into all endeavors, into all walks of life, to preach the gospel and win souls for our Lord Jesus Christ, our Master, our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So it means that, you know, every opening that the Lord gives us in our career, every opening into nations, opening into city, there's a, there's a behind the scene mandate for whatsoever reason, you know, you're traveling out, you know, to study abroad. You know, you're moving from one field to the other. You're an agricultural field, Wherever or whatsoever you may be doing, the divine mandate backup of whatsoever we are doing is to win souls. That's the mandate that the Lord Jesus gave us. And we have to know this as believers and be aware of it. Hallelujah. Now, winning souls here, it means that, you know, anyone who is not born again, who has not accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior, is lost. Is lost in the world you know, they may be nice, they may be intelligent, they may be diligent, they may be focused, they may even be productive, and they may be, you know, they may be rich, but if the person is not saved, if the person is not born again, the person is lost in the world, and Jesus has given us the mandate to win them into the kingdom, so that they can be found in Christ, you know, Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, 9, he said, being found in him, so they are lost in the world, so God has committed to us the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That through the preaching of the gospel, they can be won into the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. So it's important for us to know that every believer has been given the ministry of reconciliation. Every believer. Second Corinthians chapter 5, let's start reading from verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So with our salvation, with the privileges of new birth, with the privileges of our salvation, came the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if you are born again, it means that you are in Christ and it means that you're a new creature and it means that you have a new nature You know that is all of God. And with that privilege of partaking of the divine nature has come the responsibility of the ministry of reconciliation. So we have been reconciled to God through the preaching of the gospel. And now we have a responsibility to reconcile all that also. Others in the world, that are lost in the world, to reconcile them to God by the preaching of the same gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So we have a calling. We have a ministry. Every believer has a calling. Every believer has a ministry. And our first call, our first ministry, before we talk about specific ministries, our first call and our first ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. And this ministry is not given to ministry gifts only. No, didn't the Bible didn't say that he has committed to the ministry gifts. He didn't say he has committed to apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, the ministry of reconciliation. He's talking to the believer here, those who are in Christ those who are new creatures. He said he has committed unto us, he has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile others back to Christ. Hallelujah. By the preaching of the word of reconciliation. So the word of reconciliation is um, what he has equipped us with, by which we reconcile others. And the word of reconciliation here, you know, is, is seen in this verse, verse 19. He said, to we that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. So we have been given the word of reconciliation to tell the world that God is not counting their sins against them. God has credited their sins to Jesus' account, is paid for their sins, is been punished for their sins, so that they will not pay for their sins. They will not be punished for their sins. So the way God sees the people in the world is not counting their sins against them. That's the word of reconciliation. So God is not saying that he's he's going to punish them for their sins. He's punished Jesus for their sins. So all they need to do now is to believe in God's love and to believe in the provision that God has made for us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the word of reconciliation that God has committed to us. So we have been mandated. We have been authorized. We have been sent forth to tell the word to preach the gospel, to tell the world that God is no longer angry with them. is waiting for them to accept his provision in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we have received grace. We have, you know, received the ministry of reconciliation. We are saved now. We're new creatures. So we have been called to extend the same grace we have received to the unsaved to those who are lost in the world. The same grace we have received as believers. We got saved by grace through faith. So the ministry of reconciliation we've been called to extend the same grace to those who are lost in the world. Hallelujah. So the Bible calls us that we are co-laborers with Christ. We are co-laborers with Christ. So Jesus began this ministry before he left the face of the earth. In Luke chapter 19 verse 10, he said the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. So during Jesus' earthly days, you know, he went about seeking so that he can save the lost. And then now he has committed to us the same ministry so that we can go about to seek and to save those who are lost. Hallelujah. And that's the great commission. The great commission is that sending forth on that mission. The Great Commission is not sitting, waiting for souls to come so that they can be saved. The Great Commission is going out there. The Bible said in Mark chapter 16, verse 20, that, and they went forth and preached everywhere. That's the Great Commission. That going forth that the Lord Jesus has sent us, is called the Great Commission. So that going forth is the Great Commission. So we go everywhere, you know, go about our business, but we go with this mindset you know, that we are winning souls. We go with these mindsets that we have been authorized, we have been appointed, we have been mandated by our master, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is our high calling, glory to God. So we are doing this, you know, in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said in Mark sixteen twenty that they went forth and preached everywhere. The Lord walking with them, the Lord walking with them. So we are co-laborers with the Lord Jesus Christ. In reconciling men back to God. As we go about this commission. Fulfilling this commission. We must know that the Lord is working with us. We are co-laborers together. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we are connecting the world. Back to God. Hallelujah. And it it is through preaching. This gospel. Of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know that would deliver people. From the power of darkness. And they get Translated. Into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the ministry we have received. Every believer. Now let's see the importance. Of winning souls. And the first thing here is that. It's God's command to us. God commanded us to do it. It means that. You know soul winning. The great commission is not a suggestion. God didn't suggest it to us. It came from the mouth of our Lord Jesus Christ. That was his last standing order before he left the scene. So it was a charge. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. So it's not optional. It's not optional. There are believers that think that, okay, at least if I can't preach the gospel, I'll just support with my finances. Yes. Every believer ought to support the gospel with their finances. And every believer ought to preach the gospel. So preaching the gospel for us is not optional. It's a command. So he commanded us. He said we should go forth. Hallelujah. So it's not a suggestion. It's not optional. It's a command. The second reason here is that Jesus Christ came for this purpose. That was the reason why Jesus came to the earth. That was what he lived for. So winning. And that was what he died for. That was why he came. That was what he lived for. That was what he died for. You know, Bible said in Luke chapter 19 verse 10. For the son of man is come. To seek and to save that which was lost—that was what his entire life was all about, and that was what he died for. If we see John eighteen verse thirty-seven, John eighteen verse thirty-seven, Pilate therefore said unto him, Are thou a king?" Then Jesus answered, "Thou sayest that I am a king. To this uh, to this end was I born, and for this cause." came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth, heareth my voice. So he declared the reason why he came to the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. That's the preaching of the gospel. The third reason here is that the love of Christ constrains us. The love of Christ constrains us. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us because with us, judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. Verse 15. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yes, now henceforth know we him no more. So the love of Christ constrains us to preach the gospel. So it means that if you truly love someone who is an unbeliever, a colleague at your place of work, a neighbor, you know, the love of Christ in you will constrain you to preach the gospel to the person, to extend God's grace that you have received as a believer, to extend God's love that you have received as a believer to the same person. So the love of Christ constrains us. So if we are truly walking in love, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we'll be constrained to preach the gospel, to extend the grace of God to others, to those who are lost in the world. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So Jesus was moved with compassion. It means that when we see people, you know, who are lost in the world, struggling with one addiction or the other, you know, who are into crime, who are into violence, you know, the love of Christ should constrain us. They wouldn't be living that way if they know what we know, if they get saved. So the love of Christ should constrain us. We should be moved with compassion. The Bible tells us the true state of anyone who is not born again. It said they fainted and they were scattered abroad like sheep having no shepherd. And that's the picture that we should have of those who are not saved. They may be rich in, 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 the, in terms of they have cash in their hand. You know, they may be educated. They may be intelligent. But is their true state. They are fainted. They are scattered abroad like sheep having no shepherd. If we see them the way God sees them, then, you know, the compassion of God will move us to preach the gospel unto them. So the love of Christ constrains us. Then we'll preach the gospel because we are ambassadors for Christ. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Remember, the previous verses told us that now we're born again, we're new creatures, and then we have been given the ministry of reconciliation, we have been given the word of reconciliation, then on the premise of this three, he said, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, past representatives of Christ everywhere we go, we are on a mission, we don't lose focus, everywhere we go, we are on a mission, so we are ambassadors for Christ. Every position, every opening, we know why we are there. The spiritual reason, the divine mandates behind, you know, why we are there. So we're ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we'll pray you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. So we're ambassadors for Christ. Number five, there's a great need for soul winners today. We read in Mark, Matthew chapter 9, you know, verse 37. Jesus said, the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. So the harvest is plenteous. There's a lot to be done. There are a lot of lost souls in the world. There are still people that have not had the gospel. So the harvest is plenteous. So we need to preach. We can't afford to assume that one way or the other, that person, that unbeliever would have had the gospel. One way or the other, we can't assume. It's a costly assumption. So we take that responsibility upon ourselves to preach the gospel. Praise God forevermore. So there's a great need for soul winners today. Another reason for soul winning, another importance of soul winning is because the time for soul winning is short. It means that, you know, the time is short. We can't procrastinate again. You know, Jesus said to the disciples in John chapter 4 that say, you know, that we have four months. We have yet another four months. He said the time is short. The field is white already. The harvest is ripe. So the time is short. We can't afford to procrastinate. We can't afford to assume, you know, that someone has preached the gospel already to someone. We have to make the most of every opportunity we have. In John chapter nine, verse four, John chapter nine, verse four, Jesus said, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. So this is the time to preach the gospel. The time to preach the gospel is now. The time to fulfill the great commission is now. Hallelujah. So this is the time. This is our daytime. The night is coming, you know, when we won't be able to preach the gospel again. And we see Apostle Paul, you know, charging his son in the faith. Timothy, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he said, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exalt with all long suffering and doctrine. So preach the word. He said, in and out of season, when it is convenient and when it is not convenient, make the most of every opportunity you have to preach the word. And verse three, he said, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, shall they eat to themselves teachers, having itching ears. Verse four, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Verse five, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make foolproof of thy ministry. So Apostle Paul by the Holy Spirit charged Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. It means every believer can do the work of an evangelist, fulfilling the great commission, preaching the gospel. Not every believer is called into the office of an evangelist as a ministry gift, but every believer can do the work of an evangelist preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the time for soul winning is short. And then number seven, it's a privilege that angels don't have. The gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ has been committed to our trust as believers. We've been entrusted with it. It's not entrusted with angels. Angels cannot preach the gospel. So it's a privilege. So soul winning is not just a responsibility. It's a privilege. It's a privilege that angels don't have. Angels cannot preach the gospel. If they could preach the gospel, maybe the whole world would have been evangelized by now. But it's a privilege that we have to preach the gospel. Remember the account of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, when an angel appeared unto him and said to send to someone, Apostle Peter, you know, to come and preach the gospel to him. So if the angel could preach the gospel to him, he would have right there and then. But he have to tell him and direct him to someone for Apostle Peter who preached the gospel to him. So it's a privilege to preach the gospel. Number eight, importance of soul winning. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Philippians chapter 4 verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. After which there will be no opportunity or privilege to preach the gospel. Once Jesus, you know, comes at the rapture and then we that we are believers will go with him. There will be no opportunity to preach the gospel. So the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is at hand. The end is at hand. So we ought to preach the gospel and make the most of every opportunity we have. We also see in First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. So the end is at hand. The coming of the Lord is at hand. And number nine, importance of soul winning. To save people from the judgment of hell. Reserved for Satan and demons. Hallelujah. We don't terrorize unbelievers, you know, with hell. No, we don't. But the truth, the biblical truth remains that there's a heaven to gain. And there's a hell to shun. For anyone who accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior, there's a heaven to gain. And for anyone who refuses, you know, to accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior, the Bible said he's condemned already. So the person is going to hell. So there are only two options, you know, where to spend eternity, heaven or hell. But the hell was not created for man. And that's why it's important for us to tell unbelievers L was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. We see in Matthew chapter 25 verse 41. Matthew 25 verse 41. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So the, the L was not made for man. It was made for the devil and his angels. So it's not, uh, nobody is supposed to go to hell except he doesn't understand this gospel or he doesn't receive this gospel. Hallelujah. So we also see in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. So knowing the terror of the Lord, It means that as much as God is love and that he has given his son to die for us and through accepting Jesus as his Lord and Savior, we are delivered from hell. The same God who is love is just. The habitation of his throne is justice and judgment. So he's just. It means that knowing the terror of the Lord, we should persuade men, preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are unbelievers that feel that, like, you know, God, God cannot, he can't just allow sinners to go to hell like that. That God is too loving, he's too kind, but that's not truth. That's not true. The truth is that God is just and the same way God is love, you know, anyone who does not accept Jesus as his Lord and Savior will be judged with the devil. Praise God forevermore. Now I want us to consider intercession and evangelism. Intercession and evangelism. There's such a prayer called the prayer of intercession, which is the prayer of standing in gap on behalf of another. Another who does not have a right to stand before God or another who does not understand his rights, who is ignorant of his rights to stand before God. So standing in gap on behalf of another, that's the prayer of intercession. And um, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, let's see verse 1. First Timothy chapter 2. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Be made for all men. The great commission is to all men. And then intercessions should be made for all men. Verse 2. For kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. So intercession should be made for all men. Let's see verse three. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Verse four. Who will have all men to be saved and to come unto knowledge of the truth? So we see from the scripture that for men to be saved, for men to accept the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, intercession needs to be made for men intercession needs to be made for them when we see unbelievers living life the way you know they thought it is right or they think it is right you know we should intercede for them stand in the gap for them they don't have a right standing before god but we do we have a right standing before god and so we ought to intercede for them so that they can be saved and they can come to the knowledge of the truth hallelujah so intercession is also, you know, is also um, supplicating on behalf of others, making definite requests on behalf of others. And that's, this is an important prayer that we do, you know, in soul winning in evangelism. Now, what's the importance of intercession in evangelism? We should remember that evangelism, soul winning, the Great Commission is a spiritual assignment. So it cannot be fulfilled in the flesh. It cannot be carried out, you know, in the senses. Just going with, you know, our intellect, our mental, you know, capacity, just going in the flesh. It cannot be done with logic. So it's a spiritual assignment. So for it to be executed, then we have to lean on the spirit. It means that we we have to employ a spiritual means of execution. Hallelujah. In John chapter 15 verse 26. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. Verse 27. And ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. So it means that we have to lean on the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, to execute this divine assignment. It's a spiritual assignment. By natural strength, we cannot prevail. We cannot execute it in the senses, in our own natural strength, we have to lean on the spirit for execution of the great commission, for soul winning. John 6, 63. John 6, 63. It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So it still buttresses the fact that we have to lean on the spirit for the execution of this divine assignment. Also, the importance of intercession in evangelism is the spirit of God who convicts sinners of sin. Conviction of sinners of sin is beyond mere talk. It is the work of God's spirit. It means that we cannot convict, you know, sinners of their sin through our talk. No, we can't. Now, as a believer, you can understand salvation. You can understand Righteousness. Now, that understanding alone, going in that understanding alone cannot convince, you know, believers, unbelievers. It can't convince them. It can't convict, you know, sinners. It's the work of God's spirit. Conviction of sinners is the work of God's spirit. So it's not by mere talk. It's not by how much of the Bible you know, as good as that is important. So it's not by that. So it's it's done by the work of the spirit. In John chapter 16, verse 7, John 16, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you, verse 8. And when he is come, talking about the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, he will reprove the word of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Verse 9. Of sin because they believe not. So it's the Holy Spirit that will reprove the word of sin. Sin here, unbelief is the one that will convict them of sin. The sin of unbelief. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4. Apostle Paul said, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So Eloquence cannot do it. Eloquence cannot get the job done. So, uh, Apostle Paul said some things. He preached, but he said it wasn't with enticing words of man's wisdom. So, he leaned on the Spirit to convict them. Praise God forevermore. So, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict sinners of their sin. Then, it is through intercession that laborers, you know, come into the kingdom. Come into the harvest, into the great harvest. As we pray, you know, God sends forth laborers into the harvest. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. He said, the harvest is truly plenteous, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, he said, pray ye therefore that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers into his harvest. So recruitment of, you know, laborers into the harvest that is plenteous. He answers to prayer. He said, we should pray that the Lord of the harvest. So through intercession, you know, laborers, you know, they come into the harvest. Hallelujah. Preaching of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ is spiritual warfare against the kingdom of darkness. So it's direct spiritual warfare against the kingdom of darkness. Colossians 1.13. Colossians 1.13. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dead son. So he tells us that anyone who is not saved, unbelievers, they are in the kingdom of darkness. They are under the influence of darkness. They are under the authority of darkness. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a spiritual warfare to get them from under the authority of darkness into the kingdom of God's death son, the kingdom of light. And that is what we do through the preaching of the gospel. Hallelujah. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. Apostle Paul said, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Verse 4. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So it means that anyone who is not saved today, Unbelievers, they are under the influence of the devil. They are in the kingdom of darkness. And the commission that our Lord Jesus Christ has given unto us is go preach the word to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and bring them out of the kingdom of darkness as they believe the gospel into the kingdom of God's dear son. Hallelujah. So we have to engage prayers. We engage prayers, we intercede because it's a spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Firstly, my, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we see, you know, who we are in, you know, contest or contention against when we preach the gospel, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. Hallelujah. Those are the ones we are in contention against. When we preach the gospel to the lost souls, Hallelujah! Also, Second Corinthians chapter ten. Let's see verse. Let's see verse three. Verse three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Verse four. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Verse five. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we don't try, you know, to convince people, you know, in preaching of the gospel, we don't just try and try. We lean on the spirit. We'll pray. We'll pray because it's spiritual warfare. They're under the influence of the devil. Their mind is blinded because they're under the influence of darkness. So it is through prayer and intercession that, you know, their hearts can be opened to receive the gospel. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Also, through intercessions, through our prayers, you know, three doors are open. Through our prayers, three doors are open. As we pray, as we intercede, the Holy Spirit opens these three doors so that, so that saved, you know, lost souls can be saved. And the first door here is, The door of nations. He opens the door of nations. The door of nations. So it's the Holy Spirit that opens the door of nations to us in the preaching of the gospel. The Bible said in Acts chapter 16, if you see verse 6. Acts 16 verse 6. Now when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the gospel in Asia verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they are said to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. Verse 8. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas. Verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Verse 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them so we see from this scripture that the lord opened the door of macedonia to apostle paul and his crew as at that time the door of bithynia and Mysia they were not opened yet so even though you know um, god has called us to preach the gospel unto all nations to go everywhere as we pray the spirit of god opens the door of nations When we try to preach the gospel where the door has not been opened, we just struggle. So it's through prayer and intercession that the door of nations, door of cities, door of villages, you know, door of workplaces, they are opened. Hallelujah. And then we can minister effectively there and then souls will be saved. The second door that the spirit of God opens through our intercession and prayer is the door of utterance. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Verse 20, for which I'm an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So there's such a door called the door of utterance. That's the ability that the spirit of God gives us to speak and preach the gospel as we ought to. Not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. There's a way to say it that will bring about conviction. That's the door of utterance. And it's by the ability of the Spirit. Through our prayers. Apostle Paul said, pray for me, ask for me, pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me. So it's a door that is open through prayers. Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. Without praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. A door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bond. So there's the door of utterance. That the spirit of God opens unto us as we pray. As we pray and intercede, he teaches us what, what to say. One of the reasons why quite a number of believers, they don't preach the gospel is they don't know what to say. But through prayers, through intercession, you know, the Holy Spirit gives us entrance. You can preach to five people in a day and say different things by the Holy Spirit. And each thing you say, you know, it unlocks the heart of the people you are speaking to. Because they are the words that the Holy Spirit gave you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, as we pray, we receive a mouth and a wisdom that the adversary cannot resist. Or And that is utterance. And the third door that is opened through intercession, that is opened by the Spirit through our intercession, is the door of the heart of men. The door of the heart of men. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 16, if we see verse 41, Acts 16 verse 41. And as they went through the cities, Acts 16 verse 41. Verse 14, I beg your pardon. Verse 14, Acts 16 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, had of us, had us, whose art the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. That's an open door. So through our prayers, men give attention to what we have to say. You know, when you go out on evangelism and you get the attention and people fasten their eyes on you and listen to the gracious words coming from your mouth. And when you are done, they said, yes, I'm ready to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. These are the doors that have been opened. The heart of that person has been opened to attend unto what you said. The Bible said God opened the heart of Lydia to attend unto the words that Apostle Paul said. So God opened the door of Philippi to, you know, Apostle Paul and his crew. God opened the door of utterance to Apostle Paul to speak. And then God opened the heart of Lydia to attend to the words that were spoken unto her. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Also through prayers, God stretches forth the hands to heal. Which strengthens the conviction of people of the truth of the gospel. God confirms through our prayers. God confirms the word that we preach with signs, wonders, and miracles. In Acts chapter 4 verse 29. Acts chapter 4 verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Verse 30. By stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. Also, they were threatened not to speak again in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that they returned to their own company. And when they got to their company, they prayed. And they asked God for something, for boldness to preach the word. And that signs and wonders as they preach the word, and that God will stretch forth his hand to heal. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So through our prayers, God stretches forth his hands, and then He strengthens the conviction of people, confirming the words that we speak with signs, wonders and miracles. Mark 16:20, it says, "And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord walking with them, confirming their word with signs following. Hallelujah. And lastly, through prayers, the spirit helps us to be sensitive to him, to know the best means or strategy to engage in evangelism. So through prayers, we receive strategies. Strategies. So through prayer, we are sensitive. So even though we have been sent forth, authorized, given the charge to preach the gospel everywhere to every creature, We lean on the spirit through prayers. Lord, how should I go about it? We receive strategies. Praise God forevermore. We can preach in different places, engaging different strategies. And this is what makes for, you know, effective soul winning. There are believers that preach the gospel just to soothe their conscience that have preached the gospel. But if you want to preach the gospel to win souls then we have to do it, you know, leaning on the spirit. In the place of prayers, there are people that go around, you know, and, you know, they they preach the gospel, you know, at times in, in, in places where it's not effective. But we can trust God for strategies, through prayers. The spirit of God will show us the best way to reach people. The strategies. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let's see the biblical principles guiding the prayer of intercession. I've said earlier on that the prayer of intercession is the prayer of standing in gap on behalf of another who does not have a right to stand before God or who does not understand or is ignorant of his right to stand before God. That's the prayer of intercession It's making supplication on behalf of others. And this is the major prayer that we pray, you know, in in soul winning. In evangelism. As priests of the Most High God. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So, we are kings and priests. Revelations 1 says, We are kings and priests. And we reign here on earth. So as priests, we intercede for souls. The prayer of intercession is, is pivotal. You know, in the ministry of a priest. And we are all kings and priests, all believers. So we can intercede for souls. We can intercede for our family members, for our friends who are not saved. We can stand in gap for them. Thank God for morning dew. Hallelujah. You know, in morning, the pastor always gives us, you know, an opportunity to intercede. He shows us practically. He gives us an opportunity to intercede for souls, for those who are lost. So we stand in gap for them. And that's what we saw, you know, Abraham did for, um, for Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis chapter 18, verse 22. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom. But Abraham stood yet before the Lord. And Abraham drew near and said, Will thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? It means that Abraham didn't mind his own business. You know, in, in this professional world that we live in, we tend to mind our business. We see our neighbor, you know, he's not saved, but he said, let me mind my business. Now, we can't preach the gospel minding our own business. So we have to take their case to the Lord in prayers. It starts with intercession. So Abraham didn't mind his own business. He stood before the Lord and then he started negotiating the destinies of souls in Sodom and Gomorrah through intercession. So in intercession, God considers the righteousness of we believers as we intercede. And um, the, he doesn't consider the wickedness of the unbeliever as we intercede. He considers our righteousness. We are the ones standing in God for them and primarily we pray unto God on the grounds of his mercy on the grounds of his mercy primarily and we do this continually. So prayer of intercession is a ceaseless continuous position that we take before the Lord in the realm of the spirit as priests of the most high God on behalf of the world. Hallelujah. And we do this on the provisions of God's word. We take God's word to him the Bible tells us in First Timothy 2.4, the scripture we read earlier, that God who will have all men, so it's God's will for all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And so we go on this premise, on this foundation, hallelujah, and we do a follow-up with thanksgiving unto the Father, hallelujah, glory to God. I want us to take one or two minutes, you know, to pray, you know, and intercede for souls, you know, let's make mention and pray and intercede for souls in our communities, souls in our neighborhoods. Come on, let's, let's pray one or two minutes. Let's pray in the spirit. Let's pray in understanding. Hallelujah. Father, we remember the position you have given us as priests and we take our stand. We stand on behalf of the lost souls in our environment, in our immediate environment. And we ask Lord that the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ is shines in their hearts. in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We take authority over spiritual blindness, over the kingdom of darkness, over the devil who has blindfolded these ones uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask for their release into the kingdom of God. Thank you, precious Father. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. Amen. Glory to God.